Hey gang, this is Lisa Peck, and welcome to Revive with Lisa Peck podcast. I am so excited about helping you learn how to be more relationally attuned. In a world filled with struggles and conflict and tension, I hope to make relational health fun and easy. Not all of us need therapy, not all of us can afford therapy, but I believe all of us can grow more wise and insightful and engaging in the connections we have with ourselves, with others, and with our God. I'm convinced that all of us can learn the art of calm, of awareness, and of investing relationally. Through my podcast, I hope to give you an opportunity to listen and maybe even practice with your own people. And in so doing, together, we get to help usher in a relational revival. Welcome to Revive with Lisa Peck. Hey friends, welcome back for the second half of my interview with Rachel Faulkner Brown, the woman widowed twice by the time she was 31 years old. This week, we will hear the immediate choices she had to make as a parent of two little ones who'd also experienced an incredible loss in their lives. I'll be honest, gang, this interview will stretch you. As you listen, think beyond death of a loved one into areas in your life where you need to overcome. Rachel answers the question, does God have purpose even after our season of grieving is over? Again, she shares so vulnerably. Let her story and experience draw you in and teach you from the powerful lessons she gleaned. You started to kind of talk a little bit about it, but at at 23, almost 24, you're widowed. Then you get married again. Life is cruising along. And then this tragic crash and widowed again, now with two babies, I am guessing there was a temptation you had to think, do I have a bullseye on my head? Are bad, <laughs> are bad things just going to keep happening to me? Did you have that? And if so, how did God speak to your heart in that? Because I know I, my grandfather died, then my mom died, then my dad died. Then I, I mean, I just had a string of hard things and I moved into a really defeated place in my thinking that yeah. it was like I was a target for bad things, that that was just my lot in life. Total yeah. victim mindset. Can you speak to, did any of that happen to you? And how did yeah. God speak to you in that space? Well, you know, what's funny is it didn't happen personally. I think part of it is my personality mm-hmm. because I do have this massive capacity for joy. So I do tend to see sunshine and rainbows. And so I'm mean, like, when people say negative things to me, I'm like, what? No. I mean, so I, but I really had to fight other people thinking that, ah, do you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? So yep. it wasn't me thinking, um, and I will say, I listened to Beth Moore and she said her daughter was going to do some mission, minor mission, you know, mission work in London, which, you know, suffering for Jesus in London. But anyway, (laughs) she, she was going to London and Beth was just freaking out about her daughter being across the pond. And she said, Lord, I'll never forget hearing Beth say this. And I was, I remember being afraid Davis climbing our little crepe myrtles in the yard. And I'm I'm getting to the point of this story, but he was climbing these crepe myrtles and he would hang upside down like a monkey. And I would look at him and think he's going to die. He's going to die doing that. He's going to break his neck. And then I'm going to have lost a husband too. And then a child. And I'll, it, it so 
flipped it for me. It's amazing how when somebody says one thing, that's why podcasts are so powerful because one thing literally, it, it shut down fear in my life in, in some levels. And she said, Lord, don't protect my children from your glory. Oh my mm. gosh. I mean, I was literally like, I am forever changed. Okay. That means it doesn't matter what happens for them. If it's for your glory, yep. please don't protect them from that. Mm. That is a bold way to live. That you know? is. That's, yeah, and don't. Wow. Isn't that stunning? I know. Yes. I was like, oh my gosh. Okay. And I will say another indelible mark on my soul was that statement. I was just like, I could live my life the rest of my days thinking, what's the next shoe that's going to drop? Yes. And a lot of people live their life that way. They grew up in homes that were abusive Awful. and traumatic. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you never knew if daddy was going to come home and we had to walk mm -hmm. on eggshells. And, mm -hmm. and I just thought, I cannot walk on eggshells the rest of my life. Right. Right. I will literally kill myself. Yep. I mean, I, you know, killing and not, I'm going to hurt myself, but I'm right. like, it will kill it will me destroy to live me. like right. that. It will absolutely yeah. destroy me if I'm constantly making Davison Campbell fearful. Right. You can't invest fear. We have to invest joy and faith and belief. Yeah. So I think, you know, the thing is, is that I could have made and truly created fearful children you bet. for the rest of my day based on, you know, the shoes about to drop again. But I will tell you, especially dating again, people were scared of me. And <laughs> yeah, I mean, honestly, you know, it's like, I mean, do I even want to be friends with her? Because that's a lot. I mean, yes. and, and people who already have a propensity to fear knowing someone, you know, who's you know, your neighbors had lightning strike themselves twice. I mean, you know, yeah. I don't want to stand by them. It's like yes. it's contagious. Yep. It is. Mm -hmm. It is. There is definitely a mentality like, whoa, you know, should I even get close? Yeah, I, de I definitely remember having to just be like, I'm not going to absorb that negative comment that you just said into my body because that's not true of me. You know, as much as little as I knew about my identity in those early years and who I was in Christ, I knew I was not going to absorb that from people. Right. I knew not to absorb that into my body because, mm -hmm. I mean, we absorb words. You bet we there do. There is you no bet. doubt. Right. I mean, And there's power in it. I mean, if God yeah. speaks the world into existence and we're created in his image, there is an awful lot of power he gives us and the power of life and death is in the tongue. So I'm hearing for you, it was an intentional choice to see it and to not agree with it. Yeah. And you know, ironically, and I will tell you, and we've, you know, had many discussions about this. I'm not a deep thinker, which is not a bad thing. Right. You know, it, it, it can be sometimes, but I'm very much like, if you say it and it resonates as truth and it lines up with God's word, I'm kind of like, okay, I believe it. You know, <laughs> I don't have a hard time. You know, and I do have the gift of faith. So I do think, and I didn't know right. that then, right. you know, I, I didn't know that now, but I mean, I can believe for you all day long right. and really for myself. So mm -hmm. I think, you know, having that, it was like, well, I just saw purpose in it. I never mm -hmm. saw like, this is going to happen again. I right. really didn't think that. And that's hard because I know people are like, really? But I mean, mm -hmm. it's true. I really had to fight it more from other people than I did myself. Wow. That is great insight because I do think most, when I even look at grief and loss, I tend to think everybody must think this, but recognizing especially those that are have a gift of faith 
who prefer playing, who who are going to look at the glass as half full versus half empty, that wouldn't necessarily be their norm. So being not only just mindful of what others could speak into me, but even mm-hmm. the power that you could speak into your children and wanting to be very intentional to not do that, to stand on God's going to get the glory in this. And that means I'm not going to harbor some of yeah. these places of feeling fearful. Yeah. Well, and I really, you know, I read enough books about children and grief that I really wanted to keep their life as stable and as normal as possible to the way it was before, because I knew that would facilitate an environment for them. I mean, granted, I didn't do a great job of comforting, no doubt about it, because I didn't even know how how to do that, you know? So I had no idea how to comfort in the moment. But I knew enough that I wanted to keep a really stable environment. Mm -hmm. And me being like nervous Nelly all the time would not have helped. You know, they would have just been like, oh, my gosh, are we going to die? And and I will tell you, it's just like being adopted. You always know there's always, even if you have the most amazing parents who create these amazing experiences for you, there is something in a child that knows that they're adopted. You bet. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Like that never goes away. So there is, there is a hole as deep and as wide as you want to make it in yeah. my children. And so I was like, okay, let me, let me shorten that hole, you mm-hmm. know, so it's, it's smaller and it's not this, you know, bloody wound for my children because I don't care if you have an amazing dad, like I'm remarried now, if you have an amazing dad, like my husband, they still know, they still always know that they have a daddy in heaven. And that is just hard. And you can't take it away. You just can't. cannot take it away. Yeah. Wow. You know, there's so much more that I could have a conversation with you about, but just given today's talk is about the process of overcoming, the process of getting on the other side of your grief, your loss. And it isn't just grief or loss. It's just the pains of our life. Mm -hmm. Can you speak to what did God teach you now in retrospect? Mm -hmm. What did Mm -hmm. you learn about his kind of working it for good? You know, like after my, you know, my parents died, I'm in my early twenties. I discovered only on the other side of that grief that my identity was tied up in them, in what people thought of me. And their death brought that pain to the surface. And it gave me an opportunity to say, God, I only want to get my identity from you. Right. In the moment, I could not see that. After the moment, I absolutely see that Romans eight twenty eight passage that is sometimes overused, but it is true. True. It is true. <laughs> it's so true. Yeah. So can you speak to that on the other side now of your loss? How has God worked it for good for you, for Davis, for Campbell, even for Ron? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I always say, like, you you have two choices. You can die in it or you can choose to live in it. Mm -hmm. And I chose to live because I was just like, you know, the goal for me of life is not just survival. Mm -hmm. In fact, I just heard a new song today, um, you know, and I mean, the whole point of your ministry is to revive people mm-hmm. so that they can thrive. Mm-hmm. I mean, yep. and honestly, I'm just like surviving is just not enough. I have mm-hmm. enough achievement in me that I'm like, that was never going to be satisfactory. Right. Even though I was in a really unhealed place, I was just like, okay, I know that, that there's, I know that there's more. And so I will say like, 
overcoming for me is being at the place where um, looking back and wanting to use the pain to help other people and being in a free enough spot to be able to minister to someone else. Mm -hmm. And so for me, I just was, I was so not in a space for many years because I had a secret and we've talked about this, but I mean, if you have secrets in your life, they are impeding your healing. Yep. And I mean, my secret had nothing to do with my husband's right, at all. It right. had something to do with something that happened to me when I was 10. Yeah. And so here I am trying to protect, protect, self-protect, self-protect. Please nobody find out right. living in a ball of shame. Yeah. And honestly, there's no healing. No. You can never experience healing. You really can't grieve. Mm -hmm. If you're holding on to something that is really the two-ton elephant that you're trying to carry, you got to let that go. I mean, you cannot heal with secrets. No, like it's impossible. Right. It is physically mentally, emotionally, and spiritually impossible to heal with secrets. So I will say, I always say the deaths are what unlocked the mm -hmm. healing, but the healing came from letting the secret go. You bet. You bet. So it was the vehicle even that God used to till up the soil of your heart and life so you couldn't protect yourself from that lie anymore. You couldn't protect yourself from, I've got to keep this secret. Well, yes. And just seeing people who didn't have any secrets mm -hmm. and who were so free to live their life and didn't care what other people think. I think that was really it. Mm -hmm. I cared so much about what other people thought about me. Yeah. I cared how my kids dressed. I cared what my house, I mean, and I, you know, when you see freedom, you're like, that is not what I'm living in currently. <laughs> right. I mean, you know, so it's such a juxtaposition from my current reality from my former current reality mm -hmm. that I was so enamored with it, but you do have to see it. Yeah. I mean, you do have to have an encounter with someone like you. You do have mm -hmm. to go to a council where you're like, wow, you have some tools. Mm -hmm. I mean, I have no idea what language you're speaking. And there's the whole thing of, I didn't feel anything yes. for 11 years. So right. I sat down with you. I didn't right. even know you know, you said, how does it feel that God's looking over the balcony of heaven and he's so pleased with you? I'm like, I don't even know what is a word. <laughs> I mean, you know, you asked me that. And it's just so funny because I look back on that now and I'm like, oh my gosh. I mean, talk about a desert emotionally. Yes. I was just an emotional desert. And I think that's the other thing too. Shame creates emotional dryness it does. because you're like, I can't, I, I, mm -hmm. I just can't even go there because it's just a, that's just a whole can of worms. Like that affects so many people. Right. And the reality is that's really not that true. No. That is the lie the enemy has told you. This affects so many people and you're going to ruin so many people's lives. Well, guess mm -hmm. what? The really, the only life that you're ruining is yours by yes. keeping that shame. Absolutely. And so just dropping that at the cross. Oh my gosh. I literally, now the healing only began when I said, and spoke it again, those words, mm -hmm. I spoke it into the atmosphere and I was free. It literally unlocked the, the chains fell off my arms. They fell off my neck, mm. you know, in that moment, just spoke it out to my friend. And it was literally like the whole universe unlocked. Mm. Wow. You know? Yeah. Do you know, and, and it's, it's serendipitous. That's the beauty sometimes of the Lord. Cause if he told us ahead of time that I'm going to use these death experiences to bring to your awareness, something that you don't even know that you don't know. 
Yeah. And a target back. You never had any idea that a, that a painful event when you were 10 years old would have such a lasting effect. And keeping it in the dark and keeping it hidden kept you alone. Wow. And yet bringing it to the light, we tend to make we tend to make it so hard and it's really very simple. Yeah, it is. You know, I'm still processing through how to verbalize it without sure. hurting people and without drawing too much attention with it. You know, again, back to Beth Moore, I think she's done a great job in her ministry right. of talking about the hard things without giving you any details for you to fixate on. Exactly. You know? exactly. And that's that's the power of wisdom, you it know, is. and I think that, um, you know, anyone trying to overcome, I do think you have to get help. Yep. I think there's that, you know, if you're trying to, because you need other people's perspective and those people really need to be wise people mm-hmm. and, you know, getting the help that you need. And I would say really, you know, asking the right people, like, can you help me? And then I, I will say too, like, reading some books like Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. Mm-hmm. I mean, books can unlock mm-hmm. things in you. I will never forget reading that book yep. and crying. I was on a flight and the woman next to me said, oh my gosh, what are you reading? I mean, <laughs> I, I was like, I know. And and it was like literally reading my mail. You yes. know, the book was reading my mail. And now his wife has written a book mm-hmm. called, I think, Emotionally Healthy Woman. Yeah. And so, you know, there's that and it, uh, you know, that book is kind of like going for the kill. Mm -hmm. Like it's like Mm -hmm. things that you are trying to hide Mm -hmm. in your life that the Lord's like, give me that. I got this in that sweet, precious voice that he would say it because he's like, I've got so much more to you. Cause I will say once I gave him the shame, I mean, he like literally gave me the pot of gold. You bet. Yep. I mean, I, I just could have never imagined how abundant and rich a life is on the other side of shame. Absolutely. You can't, you can't ever imagine mm-hmm. until you actually mm-hmm. say, oh my gosh, I'm living under yes. a brick. And I think that's why, you know, Brene Brown in her work says the way we become resilient to shame is with acceptance and compassion. Yeah. Now, what what I have discovered is, yes, I have to show those things to myself that I'm I'm okay. I I am okay. This doesn't define me. God defines right. me. Giving myself acceptance and being compassionate with myself. But if I've never had that environment, I have to have a community of people that will give that to me first. That will right. model for me what is acceptance, what is compassion, so that then I'm freer to hear God's voice in that and through that. You can't mm-hmm. know yourself by yourself. Right. And in that place of community, whether it's loss or it's a tragedy or a trauma or, you know, whatever our heart tenderness is, it still applies. Staying in our identity, staying in community being intentional, being grounded in the word. These are all the things that I've heard you share from your story. Yeah. Well, and I will say too, in that community, you can still hide in community on some level. That's a great point. And so, you know, in that community, you know, if you are, if you are unable to look back on your story 
and not be vulnerable or look back on your current circumstances and not be vulnerable, you've got to ask yourself why. Yep. You have got to ask yourself, why am I wanting to hide here? Because I will promise you that is the very thing the Lord wants to heal. Mm-hmm. Any place where you're hiding, that's why I love that song by Stephanie Gretzinger, Out mm-hmm. of Hiding. Yes. Oh my gosh. That song, if, you, if, if you're listening to this and you're like, Oh my gosh, I'm hiding. I'm hiding from the people in my home. Yes. I'm hiding from the people in my small group. I'm, I'm hiding, hiding from, from my myself. I'm, I'm hiding, hiding from, from myself. myself. Oh my gosh. I mean, and I, I know I will say even recently, like I feel like I've been hiding from myself. I haven't felt as great as I normally feel. And so I was like, I, I need to get some help. And I didn't mm-hmm. realize it, but my amino acids were quite crazy low. There mm-hmm. could be like a physical Absolutely. reason right. why you're, you know, doing what you're doing. So, yes. I mean, I think just being, you know, intentional, we get this one body, we get, you know, this beautiful mind and like caring for it. It's just like, we just keep plowing the ground. Like we're farmers of our mm-hmm. own bodies. Absolutely. I mean, honestly, you've got to farm the weeds. I mean, you, it is just yeah. put your overalls on and get your get hoe out it. and let the Lord show you where to plow. Yeah. You know, because he will do it. He, he will. will. Okay. Well, in speaking of that, you have a ministry. Would you speak to that? Where, if listeners want to hear some more from you or sure. want to be a part of some of the ministry that God has given to you as a result of some of your life experiences, would you? I'm going to have yeah. it on the website, but would you speak to that? Would you tell us a little bit about that and where people could get a hold of you? Sure. So Be Still began actually in Huntsville in 2012. We'd finished this round of Bible studies. We kind of stopped doing it. We were like, we should get together. (laughs) And then, you know, we did this thing on a Thursday morning from 10 to 12. We were like, oh, just a few people show up. And it was like 120 women. And (laughs) we shared a couple of stories and we played songs on a jam box. I mean, talk about nothing. Rudimentary. Yep. (laughs) Yes. It was so nothing. So organic. Didn't even have a microphone. I mean, we're, we're still like that. But anyway, and then we had a prayer team. That was the crux of the ministry was just praying for people. Right. And, um, you know, it's ironic and, and it's so sad to me. And at the same time, it just, it's just true. Women don't get prayed for. I mean, most women have never had somebody pray for them. And so that is the, you know, we kind of started the ministry backwards. So we started with a prayer team. Most ministries start with the board. We're like, I don't have one of those. Right. But uh, last year, after four years of doing Be Still, so we meet in homes once a month and women, two women share their stories. We worship and then we have a prayer team that prays for people. And it's so powerful. I mean, I, you know, it's so funny. I was just telling somebody the other day, I just said, you know, you just can't stop what the Holy Spirit's doing. And if I didn't show up, honestly, it's, it has nothing to do with me at (laughs) all. Sitting up and showing up. Yeah. You're the conduit. Just like, what are you doing? I mean, this is unbelievable. And so people just, I mean, we had a meeting last night and just, oh my gosh, it's just so fun to watch women come alive to the fact that there's more. Yep. And that if you believe that Jesus Christ raised from the dead and that you harness that same power, I mean, that's a very different life, it you is. know? And so anyway, we're at Be Still Ministries on Instagram and then BeStillMinistries.net. And, you know, we've written this Bible study called Father's House, Believing We Belong, because, you know, God has given us this huge, huge, amazing mansion called the kingdom. And we build these squatters houses, like cinder blocks. People. Yep. 
cinder block houses in the corner of the yard. Yeah. Like, oh no, I don't belong there. And just letting women in on the secret, which is so not a secret that yes, you do. And you actually are powerful and you, <laughs> oh, by the way, you have authority too. Yes. And then you have this mouth to speak words of life over yourself and over other people. And I mean, it's nothing new. We do identity in Christ, but it's just how it's put together. It's really an encounter. Mm -hmm. It's not really a Bible study. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, Bible study, that's just such a bad rap on what, <laughs> you know, what right. I think Jesus really wants. He wants an encounter with yes. us. An encounter leads to revelation, which leads to intimacy. Yep. And so that's it. It's so fun. It is. Well, it is so fun talking with you. It's just wonderful. I watch how God has moved in you and through you and what a sweet gift you are to the world. So I hear it's just you're suiting up and showing up, but I also love that it's coming (laughs) through you, through your story, through your passion, through your enthusiasm. So thank you so much for sharing with my listeners and bestillministries.net. Is that right? Yes. That's it. There it is. Thank you, Lisa. You bet. Thank you. Okay. Be blessed. Bye. Bye, girl. Who knew we'd start out talking about loss and end up talking about secrets and shame? Only God can do something like that. I love it. I picked up the interview back with this simple question. With all the loss, did you ever feel as if there was a bullseye on your back? Rachel's answer surprised me a little. She didn't think she was destined to only experience bad things all the time, but did have to fight other people thinking it. Being her friend or dating her brought a certain amount of anxiety, especially for people already predisposed to fear or negativity. She said a lot of us would live the rest of our days asking, what's the next shoe that's going to drop? She described watching her son Davis hanging upside down on one of her crepe myrtles like healthy kiddos do. She had a thought, he's going to fall and break his neck. He's going to die. In that moment, she described making a conscious choice, just like Beth Moore did when her daughter went on a mission trip out of the country. Don't protect my children from your glory. Man, that is a bold statement. I was really challenged by that thought. She went on to say, I could have made and created fearful children. Instead, she chose not to absorb the words of others that communicated anxiety or worry about bad things following her. She saw God's purpose in her pain. She did read lots of books about kids in grief. There she learned the importance of keeping things as consistent and secure as possible. She knew she could never take away the giant hole that their dad's death brought into their lives. She simply didn't want to make that hole any bigger by creating an environment of worry or negativity. Even when we don't directly say stuff, our kids read it in our body language and in our actions. The next question I posed to her was, what did God teach you in retrospect 10 years later? What did you learn about his working it for good? Again, she highlighted choice. You can die in it or you can choose to live in it, she said. Then went on to describe her definition of overcoming. It's looking back, wanting to use the pain to help other people and being in a free enough spot to be able to minister to someone else. 
I love when Rachel highlighted the idea that she wasn't able to overcome because of secrets in her life. And those secrets open the door to shame. There is no healing, no grieving if you're holding on to secrets. It actually impedes your healing. She said the deaths were what unlocked the healing, but the healing came from letting the secret go. And she never imagined how abundant and rich life is on the other side of shame. Wow, now that one will preach. Something else she said that'll preach is shame creates emotional dryness. You know, I would add to that that it can create spiritual dryness too. I wonder how many of you listening are feeling stuck or maybe in a dry season. It isn't just for people who have experienced tremendous loss like Rachel. She did make several suggestions to those who are grieving with a secret or locked up in shame. Number one, get help. Reach out to a counselor or a wise friend. Number two, surround yourself with emotionally healthy people, but be aware of a temptation to hide even within that community. Number three, read books on the topic of growing and healing because they can unlock a whole world of hidden pain. She said you got to put on your overalls and got to farm out those weeds. This is a message for all of us. The healing and growing and overcoming doesn't stop when our season of intense hardship is over. Ten years later, Rachel is still learning about God's purpose in her pain. He is still seeking to bring redemption. What about you? Is there any part of these last two podcasts that has spoken to you, maybe tugged at a heartstring or two in your story? Is there a secret with which you are living that's needing to be brought into the light? Let me encourage us again. Get and stay in our identity and in community. Let's be intentional with growing our healthy friendships, but also spending time in the Word. Given all the stress and the chaos of our world, many of us have found peace reading about this guy I know who's tempted in every way like we are, except he never messed up and he's infinitely patient. Maybe this week we could reach out to a friend and practice vulnerably sharing about a secret. Or maybe we have a friend in a tender season and we get to be the safe, accepting shoulder or listening ear. Possibly this week we could turn off the TV and choose to read the book Rachel suggested, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. It takes only one step to start to change. I believe in you. We can do this. Rachel and her friends in Atlanta hold Be Still events every month. They're even heading to Denver in January. So be sure to check out her website, bestillministries.net, for an upcoming event near you. And I'll post her website on mine. I've got an event near you if you live in Huntsville, Alabama. I'll be doing another Revive workshop called Navigating Triggers. Hopefully a relevant topic as we head into the holidays. It'll be held on Saturday, December 1st from 10 to 1 with lunch provided. We're going to be learning about what to do and what not to do, as well as the why behind when you get triggered. You know, the $500 reaction to the 50 cent issue. We'd love to have you. Men, women, and teenagers. Hey, let's teach them while they're young how to sidestep some of the drama. Seating is limited. You can register online at revivewithlisapeck.com forward slash attend a class. 
If you're enjoying these podcasts, please subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher. Now, let me close our time today with the words of Paul Young, author of The Shack. Every human being is holy ground if we have the eyes to see it. Until next time.